41.1. It said, uh, blessed is he that considers the poor. What will happen? The Lord will deliver him in time of trouble. Verse 2. The Lord will preserve him and keep him alive. Anybody believe this? He'll be blessed on the earth and you'll not deliver him into the will of his enemies. That's spiritual and natural enemies. Can you say amen? Amen. And so uh, uh, what we showed tonight, that's already been taken care of. The money's already sent. There's no receiving offering tonight for those kind of things. We're we're doing uh, something else. But just be on the watch in your community, in your area. Come on, you understand what I'm talking about? And and this is one of the reasons why you want to believe God to have way more resources than what it takes to run you. Somebody said, what do y'all need with all that money? Well, things like that. Is that right? Nobody said you had to keep it all. But you can't give what you don't have. Is that right? You can't, if you don't have it, you, you, can't, you can't do it. So uh, in all your sowing that you've got seed in the ground, claim harvest on that. Claim harvest on that. And what we're talking about tonight is these storehouses filled with plenty. Well, that's part of what you can do. With your storehouses. Is these kind of things. Can you say amen or. Or at least I'll think about it or. (laughs) So. uh, So what do we do now? Is it. It's offering time. Phyllis said it's offering time. It's offering time. Um, Wow. Go with me please to 2 Chronicles. 2 Chronicles the 28th chapter. We're going to read, I'm going to kind of uh, summarize a couple of chapters here, and then we're going to read part of a chapter. Because this is, in this passage, one of the great offerings in the Word of God. We call Thursday night Great Offering Night. Now, if you study the Word on the subject of offerings, you'll find there are many different kind of offerings. Not just one or two or three. There are numerous different kinds of offerings. And uh, uh, there is, there are multiple examples of big giving and public giving. Like when they gave for the tabernacle. Millions and millions of dollars to build that tabernacle. And when they uh, gave to build the temple, billions of dollars by today's currency. Yes. Billions with a B. And they told who gave what. Yes. They big giving, public giving, and even who gave it. This is scripture. Yes. Now some people hear that and they go, oh no, no, the Bible says don't let your left hand know what your right hand. That's a different kind of giving. Yes. That's giving to people in need. Yes. That's giving alms. Jesus was talking about. Alms is given to people in need. And when you're given to somebody in need, you must not, you should not publish it. You don't want to embarrass them, right, about their need, and you don't want to try to show off about what you're doing. So there's that. Personal things especially, you don't have to say anything about. Now, you know, church projects and that kind of thing, it's not just one individual. We need to know what we're doing. 
and how we're doing it, we believe together. But even still, it's a different kind of giving. And uh, this passage is one of those. And before we get to that, go to Romans. Hold your place in 2 Chronicles. I think I need to touch on this a little bit. Somebody said, well, isn't that all Old Testament? It certainly is. Second Chronicles, among other places. <laughs> and some folks will say, well, what, what does that have to do with us today? I mean, that's Old Testament. Or some folks say, Old Testament. <laughs> and that's, that's a wrong way to see it. And of late, the Lord has emphasized to me just how wrong it is. I see it stronger and clearer than I ever have. Some, in their concept of grace, have come to disrespect and despise much of the Bible. The law, the prophets, and even some of the teachings of Jesus. What do you mean? They say, oh, well, he was, he was teaching the law. He was not teaching the law. No. Look at Matthew 5 carefully. He said, the law said, but I say. <laughs> but this, this is a ploy and a trick of the enemy to not respect the word of God. Everything God has said is eternally right and perfect and true. And that's what Romans talks about here. Romans 7 and 12, in talking about the difference between righteousness by law and righteousness by faith... This whole passage, Romans 5, 6, 7, 8. Notice what he says here. And he keeps saying it. Wherefore the law is what? Done away and has nothing to do with us. The law is what? Holy. And the commandment is what? Holy and what? And just and what? Good. Verse 13, was then that which is good, talking about the law, was that made death to me? God forbid. But sin that it might appear sin, working death in me by that which is good. Here's the point the people haven't got. The law was never bad. The law was never the problem. Sin was the problem. People failing to be able to keep the law. But the law has always been Good and right and holy. But you understand what I'm talking about? To hear a lot of people talk, they speak disparagingly of the whole Old Testament. Where you you read the Old Testament? Nah, you know I know I only read you know the epistles. That's that that other stuff. You know that don't really not true. Not true at all. Are y'all okay? Verse 14, for we know that the law is old and passe. No. No. Spiritual. 
fleshy. No, the law was never fleshy. People are fleshy. Not, not what God said. We know the law is what? Spiritual. Spiritual. Reckon how many folk preach that? The law is what? Spiritual. He said, but I am carnal. The law wasn't the problem. It was me. (laughs) Sold under sin. For that which I do, I allow not. What I would, that I do not. But what I hate, I do. If then I do that which I would not, I consent to the law that it is good. I want to hear you say it. The law is good. The law is right. The law is holy. See, what God said is right when he said it. It's right today. It will always be right. And good and just and holy. Now in Timothy, 1 Timothy 1, 1 Timothy 1, and verse 8, am I reading out of the New Testament? Is Romans in the New Testament? 1 Timothy is in the New Testament. He said, but we know that the law is what? It's good. If a man use it lawfully, he's not talking about how they used to do it. This is present tense. If you use it right today, listen to NIV. We know the law is good if one uses it properly. Goodspeed says, I agree the law is excellent, providing it is legitimately used. Come on, do you hear that or not? Weymouth and today's English and others say, we know the law is good If a man uses it the way it should be used. This is today. Current. Present tense. So Mrs. What do you mean? What has changed. Is that we no longer seek. To be saved. By keeping the law. We no longer seek to be justified. By keeping the law. We we consent. That we were unable to do that. Our forefathers couldn't do it. And we can't do it. That's why Jesus had to come. He had to come. And our righteousness is of him. And we are saved because of what he has done. But that doesn't change the fact that everything God has ever said was right. And good and perfect and still will help you today. Are you all awake? Are you all okay? Matthew 5, little mini sermon to get to the next sermon. Is that okay? Matthew, well, I, I think you'll, you, you know, depending on how you've thought, you'll appreciate what comes next better. If you, if you realize we should not be disrespecting any part of the Word of God. Matthew 5, 16. Matthew 5, 16 said, Jesus said, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Think not, don't think this, Jesus said, that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am not come to destroy but to fulfill. Now some people jump on that and say, yeah, and he's already fulfilled all of it. No, that's not what he said. He has fulfilled the part about justification by his sinless, spotless sacrifice. But look at the very next verse. 
For verily I say to you, till heaven and earth pass, not one jot or one tittle shall in no wise pass from the law till all be fulfilled. Has heaven and earth passed away yet? Have all the prophecies in all the writings of the prophets come to pass? You know they have not. Come on, do you see what I'm talking about? And he said, verse 19, where, whosoever then will break one of the least of these commandments and teach men so, he will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. It is a foolish, ignorant thing to speak lightly and disparagingly of the word of God. Whether it's Genesis or the law or the prophets, it is an ignorant thing. To act like, oh, don't pay any attention to that, you know, that's, that's all passed away. All of the blood sacrifices have been fulfilled in Christ. But every statute he gave about paying people when they do work for you, about living right, all the Ten Commandments, are they still right? Don't lie, don't commit adultery, don't steal. Are they still right? Are they still right? Worship the Lord your God. Don't have any other God before you. Is it still right? It will always be right. And everybody needs to hear it. In fact, in Acts 15, when they had that great council about do the Gentiles have to keep the law to be saved, the consensus was no. They don't have to keep the law to be saved. But that doesn't mean you don't benefit from all the word of God. And how to live and how to think and how to operate. And he went on to say in Acts 15, uh, 19 through 21, he ended up by saying, Moses of old time in every city has those that preach him being read in the synagogues every Sabbath day. Why say that to young Gentile converts? He's reminding them, you need to hear the word. And, of course, that's the only word they had. The New Testament didn't even exist. Are you all awake or not? Beware of anything that makes people more disrespectful and live looser. Come on, you understand what I'm talking about? It ain't God. It's not God. (laughs) And this is not what I necessarily intended to preach. But uh, it's right. I said it's right. I remember as a young boy reading uh, the Old Testament. Ten years old, I think about. And I came to the point in numbers, 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 12, 3. I remembered it's burning me. And it said, now the man Moses was meek above all the men that were on the face of the earth. And the Lord, one of the first times I ever knew, the Lord was speaking to me. He said, Keith, did you notice Moses was the meekest man in his generation? I thought, yeah. He said, did you realize he's the most used man of me in his generation? Is that still good to know? Is that still good to think about? And then as a 12-year-old, what have you, reading about David and his mighty men and those exploits, the concept of godly honor got in me as a boy. I got it reading 1 Samuel, 2 Samuel, 1 Kings. Are y'all listening? Every word 
that comes out of the mouth of God is full of power and goodness and grace. We must stop this disrespecting of the Old Testament and the law and the prophets. I want you to say it with me if you believe it. The law is good. It's spiritual. It's righteous. It's holy. It's good. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Is that okay? Hallelujah. Praise God. Whoo! Now go to Second Chronicles. How many think you could get something wonderful out of Second Chronicles? Huh? Something wonderful. Wonderful. Second Chronicles twenty-eight. Is everybody okay? Second Chronicles. 28 tells the story of, um, well, the chronicles are the chronicles of the kings of Israel and Judah, chronicles their reigns, and gives you a summary from their birth and what they did and didn't do, and in their death and who took over after them. And it's not just for history. There's revelation, and there's revealing of the will of God and good and evil in all these parts. Well, 28 has to do with King Ahaz. And Ahaz was 20 years old, verse 1, when he began to reign. He reigned 16 years in Jerusalem, but he did, he did that which was, he did not do what was right in the sight of the Lord like David his father. Now, As time goes on, these generations get further and further from David. And you'll see some of them just completely throw out everything the way David lived and did. And others come back even generations later and fully embrace it. Doesn't that sound kind of like what we were just talking about? Hmm? Listen to this in Jeremiah 6. Hold your place there. Jeremiah 6. Y'all believing with me? Yes, sir. I don't need to preach this for three hours, so we're getting there, though. Yeah. Jeremiah 6, 16 said, Thus says the Lord, Stand in the ways and see and ask for the old paths. Wherein is the good way? And walk therein, and you'll find rest for your souls. And these people said, we will not. What do you say? We will. Now, old ways is King James. It's the word for time out of mind beyond talking. It's talking about eternity. So the ask for the ancient eternal paths. The things that came from God that don't change, that never change. They were that way before there was an earth. Before there were human beings, it was that way. Good was good before human beings existed. Righteous was righteous. Holy was holy. And it will never change. God is perfection. He doesn't need to improve. 
with God, there's no room for improvement. He is perfection. That's what the scriptures teach. It might be hard for us to understand, but it's true. So when he says something, anything and everything he has ever said will never be obsolete or out of date. That would imply he couldn't see the end from the beginning. Stand in the ways, ask for the ancient paths, the, uh, the eternal paths, wherein is the, the good way. Isaiah 51, I like this. It said, uh, Isaiah 51.1, this is the NIV. He said, listen to me. You who pursue righteousness, this is the NIV. You who seek the Lord. Look to the rock from which you were cut and to the quarry from which you were hewn. Hallelujah. Look to Abraham, your father. Is is Abraham our father? Galatians says so. Look to Abraham, your father, and to Sarah. Well, you would never find out much about Abraham if you didn't read the Old Testament. Is that right? Or Sarah? Look to them. And when I called him, he was but one. And I blessed him and made him many. And, and you know, we have that saying in our vernacular, cut from the same cloth. We cut from the same quarry. We cut from the same stone as Abraham. And so what was right with him centuries and centuries and millennia ago Knowing God, having faith in God, being committed to covenant, what's righteous, all of those things, still right today. Amen. Still just as right as it ever was. Amen. Can you say amen? amen? Hallelujah. Well, the reason I say that is because in Second Chronicles, Ahaz, he got completely away from the ways of David and the ways of God. Verse uh, 2, 2 Chronicles 28, 2. He walked in the ways of the kings of Israel. He made molten images for Balaam. He burnt incense in the valley of the son of Hinnom and burned his children in the fire to these false gods. After the abominations of the heathen whom the Lord had cast out before the children of Israel. He sacrificed and burned incense in the high places. And I won't go on, but he, because of what he did, all the enemies of the people of God were unrestrained. They, they lost their protection. See, here's the problem. And this is true today. You reject God, you forfeit his protection. It's true with the U.S., It's true with any country. It's true with any family. It's true with any church. You reject God. And you forfeit his protection. You forfeit his provision. You can't have the good without God. And it's ridiculous. Because people will say, you know, oh, there is no God. That's all passed away. Even stupid think God is dead. And then something bad happened and they're not protected and they're mad at the God they said didn't exist last month. 
And you'll find when Israel and Judah, when they left God, forsook him, and they went after these other gods, more than once, when everything came apart, and their enemies are destroying them, and they yelled and cried out, he said, well, go to your new gods. Let them deliver you. Yeah. So we don't, we don't have that today. We absolutely have it everywhere. There are idols and worshipers of false God all through our country, but also there's the God of science. There's the God of politics. Are you all listening to me? There's the God of all these things. What is it? Whatever you have replaced God with that's going to save you is an idol. And the problem is you have forfeited God's protection when you do that. And all these things, they can't save you. They can't save us. There's only one Savior. There's only one God. Only one God. Somebody said out loud, the Lord, He is my God. Jesus, He is my Savior. My only Savior. My only. There is no other. And we want to be bold about saying that. And not making allowances for any of those other things. So, I mean... Uh, the Assyrians, the Philistines, I mean, all of their enemies just came on, converged on them and destroyed them and took them away. And that's what happens when you forsake God. But an amazing thing is in uh, chapter 29, Ahaz died and Hezekiah, his son, reigned in his stead. And in chapter 29, Hezekiah began to reign when he was 25 years old. And he reigned 29 years in Jerusalem, and his mother's name was Abijah. And he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, according to all that David, his father, had done. Man, there's a lot of things to learn here. Just because you grew up in a bad household... And all you saw was evil in front of you your whole life. Does not mean you have to go that way. Is that right? And just because you're young. 25 years old. Doesn't mean you're too young to make a big difference. In the world around you. Oh come on can you see this? But what did did this young man do? He didn't try to find the latest, greatest fad of the day. He looked. Oh, come on, y'all with me. He looked back and asked about the ancient, eternal paths of righteousness that David walked in. Oh, you could preach up in here. He walked. He, 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 and, he and when he saw it, and, and, and you know, uh, I, I'm sure the kind of heart that he, that he had that's revealed... He was fed up with the evil that his daddy was practicing. Come on, can you see that? He saw what it did to the nation. He saw how it destroyed everything around him. And what I didn't get into is his daddy stripped all the precious metals out of the temple and gave it to heathen uh, kings and, and defiled and shut the doors, stopped all the worship. I mean, he just completely left God. And when Hezekiah became king at 25 years old, he opened it all back up. All the worship, all the praise and the giving. 
Are you all awake? Which is where we see one of the great offerings in the Word of God happen with him. You see that he was, uh, he did what was right, verse 2, in the sight of the Lord, according to all that David, his father. <laughs> well, Ahaz was his father. Well, yeah, we don't claim him no more. <laughs> We're going to go on back. We're going to skip several generations. <laughs> aren't you, aren't you a descendant of Ahaz? No. David. <laughs> I'm a descendant of David. Hallelujah. According to all that David, his father, had done. And uh, in the first year of his reign, he opened the doors of the house of the Lord. He repaired them. He brought in the priests and the Levites. They had all left and gotten secular work. Because nothing, everything had been cut off. All the ministry was, was gone. There was no ministry. And he said, hear me now, Levites. Sanctify yourself. Sanctify the house of the Lord. Get that filthiness out of there. Our fathers have trespassed and done evil in the eyes of the Lord and forsaken him and turned their faces from the habitation of the Lord and turned their backs. They shut the doors and they put out the lamps and they didn't burn incense. They didn't offer offerings. And that's why the wrath of the Lord was on us. And that's why we were delivered to trouble. That's why our fathers have fallen. He said, verse uh, 10, and it's in my heart to make a covenant with the Lord. And now, sons, don't be negligent, because the Lord has chosen you to stand before him to serve and to minister and to burn incense. And so they did. How, does this sound like a revival? Yeah. <laughs> I said they did. They rejoiced, and it all began to come in, and they even, in the 30th chapter, they observed the Passover, which hadn't been observed for who knows how long. And the Bible says in 2 Chronicles 30, 20, when they observed the Passover for the first time in all these years, the Lord hearkened to Hezekiah, 2 Chronicles 30, 20, and healed the people. They had a breakout manifestation of healing power. When they, when they got back to the ways of God. And they started doing what he had, had told them to do. God never changes. Right? He's never stopped healing. He's never stopped protecting, delivering. He's never stopped helping. He's never stopped being God. But people get away from him. Sometimes whole generations just completely get away from him. Now in the 32nd chapter, and we're, we're finally here I think. No. No, we're not. <laughs> 31. 31. Verse 4, moreover, he commanded the people that dwelt in Jerusalem to give the portion of the priests and the Levites that they might be encouraged in the law of the Lord. Does support, and he's talking about financial support. Financial and material support. Does that encourage you to work as a minister, as a preacher? If it doesn't, you must be in the wrong business. But I know Phyllis and I have been doing this now for, you know, 40 plus years. And and uh, all through the years, there have been times when we're believing God and, and needing things. And here come a big seed, a big offering, and everything's taken care of, and everything's underwritten. You know what that makes you want to do? Huh? Doesn't make you want to quit. 
Is that right? It makes you want to say, okay, come on, let's go. Let's, let's do this thing. Let's do bigger. Let's do better. Let's reach further. That's the way it is. Support encourages and builds up and strengthens. And, and many times that's why the Lord will lead you to do something, especially uh, bigger something. You may not know it, but they, they could use that boost right now. And just them coming in, you know, I know sometimes I've come off the road, maybe I'm a little tired or something, and uh, looking for, take a nap or something, and, and they say, well, well, the office sent word and said that so-and-so sent this into the ministry today. You go, whoo, is that right? Glory, well, that takes care of that. And that takes care of this. It makes you think, well, i got to hurry up and take this nap so I can get stirred back up. Is that right? And get to moving and going again. It encourages you. And that's what he said. He said, give the portion to the priests and Levites so that they might be encouraged in the law of the Lord. And as soon as the commandment came abroad, the children of Israel brought in abundance the first fruits of the corn, wine, oil, and honey, and the increase of the fields, and the tithe of all the things brought they in abundantly. And concerning the children of Israel and Judah that dwelt in the cities of Judah, they brought in the tithe of the oxen and sheep, the tithe of the holy things, and they laid them by heaps. And the literal there is heaps, heaps. Heaps, heaps. The literal standard says they set them in heaps of heaps. The Holman said they brought the tenth of everything and gathered them into large piles. And the Coverdale says there was a heap here and a heap there. <laughs> we'll say everywhere a heap heap. Is that right? <laughs> well, I didn't read it right. It said here a heap and there a heap. <laughs> That's why I thought of it. Here a heap, there a heap, everywhere a Heap, heap. Is, that's the uh, literal. Heaps of heaps. <laughs> now keep reading, keep reading verse 7. In the third month, they begin to lay the foundation of the heaps. Foundation of the heaps. See, this is, uh, currency wasn't the only medium of exchange. This is money. This is grain, this is livestock, this is everything they had been prospered and increased. This is money. You can use it to, to feed people or take care of people or you can sell it and turn it into cash, whatever you need to do. And they begin to lay the foundation of the heaps and they finished them in the seventh month. Amen. Took them five months of piling it up. Is this offering or is this an offering? And when Hezekiah and the princes came and they saw the heaps. Now anytime the word, the scripture keeps using that same word, that same word, something's supposed to go off on the inside of you. Somebody say heaps. Heaps. They, they, they came and brought heaps, heaps. And in the third month they laid the foundation of the heaps. And it finished up in the seventh month with the heaps. And then Hezekiah and the princes came and saw the heaps and they blessed the Lord. They said, glory to God. No, I didn't do that right. They said, glory to God. Would you look at the stuff? Would you look at this? And Hezekiah questioned the priests and Levites, verse 9, concerning 
the heaps. And Azariah, the chief priest, the house of Zadok, said, Since the people began to bring the offerings to the house of the Lord, we have had enough to eat, and we have left plenty, for the Lord has blessed his people, and that which is left is this great store. Oh, somebody say, Glory to God. Glory to God. The English version says, since they began to bring the contributions, we have eaten and had enough and plenty left. The Lord has blessed his people. We have this large amount left. This is a graphic picture of what happens when the people of God come back to God and start tithing and giving. There is so much that it just overflows all the needs and all the desires. And there's this great store. Above and beyond. Somebody say praise God. And the Bible said without, without going into all of it. Hezekiah then. They did this. Later on he was attacked by one of the. I guess the most powerful military in the world. Assyria. And God sent an angel. And wiped a whole bunch of them out. That was preceded by this. And then later it said, Hezekiah had so much gold and silver and treasures that he made storehouses. Is it connected at all? What, what, what started it? What started it? Come on, help me out. 25 years old. Is that right? Fed up with the evil junk and forsaking of God. He saw in the previous generation and came to God. The Bible said he sought the Lord with all his heart. And as long as he did, the Lord caused him to prosper. Yes, Yes, amen. Glory to God. Is that you? Do you love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind? Then say it out loud. Lord, I seek the old paths. The ancient, ancient, eternal, eternal, right ways. Show me me that I may be restored restored in a full walk in this evil generation. generation. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. You know what will help you do that? Read your Old Testament. (laughs) Take it seriously. Ask God to open your eyes and quit saying foolish things about it. Hallelujah. No, we don't read and learn about the law so we can be saved. Keeping the law does not save us. But who do you know in our circles that's really trying to be saved by keeping the law? No, it's not the issue some people make it. And yet it is always true and right. And that brings us to the offering. We released faith Monday night, if you were here. Uh, The name of the project all this week is the um, storehouses filled with plenty. And man, if we had the time, I got notes up here that just talk about storehouses for days. Have you looked at in the word? It's there. Yes storehouses. And we looked at Deuteronomy 28, you know, that said, if you walk with the Lord and do what he says, he will bless your basket and your store. Basket is your, uh, what you use daily, 
your present stuff. Uh, store is your uh, future use. And it'd be something similar to a savings account or some kind of a investment or something. A store. And then he went on to say in Deuteronomy 28 that the Lord would command the blessing on you in your storehouses. Plural. And like we said last night, every child of God needs at least two storehouses. A minimum of two. What do you mean? His God's storehouse where his monies go and his things go that you don't spend on yourself. That's your tithes and your offerings. And then you know, you also need a storehouse for yourself. How can God fill and bless a storehouse you don't have? Your business needs one. Your ministry needs one. Your church needs one. You can have one for your kids. Storehouses. But at least start... With one, his, right? And soon as you can, get one for yourself so he can fill it and bless it. Well, so we've been talking about believing for reserves in the churches here for the last couple of years, especially. 